Please take your Bibles, please take them in hand and and turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs uh, chapter 31, uh, verses 1 through 9, um, as we will bring our study of Proverbs to a close next next week, as we look at the wife of noble character, the epilogue, and how it points us back to many themes throughout the book of Proverbs. We will then spend the following week looking at a, a sermon uh, specifically designed to lead us to some questions to ask as we look at one of the themes in the book of Proverbs, justice, um, some questions to ask as we do pursue justice in our own world, in our own communities, in our own lives. And then we will be, Advent will be upon us. It's hard to believe that we are at that time of the year. So um, it's kind of where we're going through the rest of the year, and then we'll look after the first of the year to our next uh, New Testament book. But hear these words and read along with me if you have your Bibles from Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 1. The sayings of King Lemuel, an oracle his mother taught him. O my son, son of my womb, son of my vows, do not spend your strength on women your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what the law decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Give beer to those who are perishing, wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Let us pray. O great God, who has revealed your glory in creation and in your word, you have given us promises, promises that those who read, who hear, and who obey your word will find blessing in this world and in the next. As we come before this passage in Proverbs, we ask that you would open our ears so that we can hear and obey. May the Spirit work your holiness in us as your triune nature is revealed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what keeps you from doing what you want? Or better yet, what keeps you from pursuing those things in your life that you know that God has called you to do and that you know that will bring glory to him in your life? In this passage from Proverbs, King Lemuel's mom sees something that will keep him from fulfilling a major role that he has been called to as king. She reminds him of a foundational act that gave her teaching of wisdom power as he was growing up. She reminds him of his responsibilities as king, and she warns him against being distracted by the temptations of this world. First, what is that foundational element that King Lemuel's mom reminds him of? This chapter comes from the sayings of King Lemuel. It's, a, it's likely another uh, source outside the nation of Israel of wisdom that was drawn into this book to help the king learn wisdom and to rule in a way that honors God and follows God's law. Some scholars think maybe Lemuel is a nickname for Solomon since it means belonging to God. But, but that is unlikely because this is not the first time that Solomon and Hezekiah's 
servants have have drawn in these sayings from outside the nation of Israel. And this also points us to something different as we've seen throughout the book of Proverbs. Throughout the book of Proverbs, we have been introduced to major sections by either a call for the, for the child to, to listen to the wisdom teaching of his parent or to bring honor and glory to the parent through, excuse me, through following the ways of wisdom. But who has typically been teaching in the book of Proverbs? It's the father. And here we have parental wisdom passed on to King Lemuel, but it comes to us through the sayings of the mother, which is a reminder for us that within the household of the people of God, it is a it is an equal responsibility between father and mother to teach wisdom to their children, to pass down the gospel, to pass down the words of God's reconciliation, to pass down the words of God's law to the children and the grandchildren in the household. And the mother in this passage cries out to her son and we see a cry of growing intensification in verse two. She starts out by saying, my son. Then she says, oh, my son, who I carried in my womb. And then she says, oh, son of my vows, or as as some of your translations have, or even the footnote there in the NIV says, oh, son, who was the answer to my prayers. And the picture here is the mother of King Lemuel reminding her son, look, you are my child. You are the child that I carried for nine months. But more importantly, you are the child that I agonized in prayer over before God as I sought to teach you wisdom. As you were raised within my house, I constantly and agonizingly lifted you before God in prayer so that he would touch your heart, so that he would... Have you listened to the wisdom that your father and I were teaching you? And this points us to an important but often overlooked part of the training of our children, both within our households and within the church. And that is prayer. Mothers and fathers, as you seek to parent and teach your children, do you pray for them? I know many of you spend money making sure they have every opportunity, even some opportunities that you may not have had. I know you spend and sacrifice time making sure they get to music lessons and and sport events and all those activities that keep them around their friends. I know many of you sacrifice your 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 sanity to make sure that your children have every opportunity. But do you pray for them? Do you take them before the throne of God and ask him to change their hearts, to ask him to protect them from the slings and the arrows of the evil one? Do you ask for personal wisdom for yourself in parenting, grandparenting or discipling the children that God has entrusted to your care? And this responsibility to pray for your children doesn't end until you reach your heavenly reward. We should each be lifting our children up to God until the day we die. A vital part of training your children in wisdom, training your children in the fear and the knowledge of the Lord is praying for their salvation, praying for their wisdom. And and Lemuel's mother reminds him of the time that she spent praying for him before she brings him to see what one of his primary focuses should be in his rule. 
In verses 8 and 9, we have this call for Lemuel to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves or to speak up and judge fairly related to the rights that those who are destitute, that those who are poor and needy have. Verse 8 literally says, open your mouth for the mute. The picture here is not necessarily people who are physically unable to speak, that have a, a medical or a genetic condition that, that, allow, that, that keeps them from being able to vocalize and express themselves through words. There are people within every culture, within every kingdom that have no voice. Sometimes it's because they are economically downcast. Sometimes it's based upon their ethnicity. Sometimes it's just based upon where they live, but they have no voice in the kingdom. Lemuel's mom is reminding him that one of his responsibilities as king is to speak up, to be the voice for the voiceless. The temptation for the king 3,000 years ago, as well as today, was to favor those who were more powerful, more wealthy, had greater standing within the community because they could bring reputation to the king. Oh, look, I helped so-and-so. Look at what I did for them and what glory I got because this important person was helped by me. And the problem with that is if we don't focus on the equitable application of the law to right wrongs, we will twist the law so that those who can bring us the greatest advantage will get the most access to the law. We struggle with the same temptation today. From time to time, the church has to choose people to be elders and deacons. And many times the temptation is to look to the most successful people within the church rather than those who are most qualified according to God's word as found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 2. Instead of that, we should be asking the question, is the man pursuing God or is he pursuing self-glory? Is he seeking peace or self-promotion? And in this pursuit of being a voice for the voiceless through the equal application of the law, the mother also calls on King Lemuel to act sacrificially to help alleviate the suffering of the poor. We have this really odd command from her to him. Give beer to those who are perishing. Wine to those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. She's, she's called him not to, to abuse the drink and the wine. And then she tells him to give that drink and the wine to those who are poor so they can just get drunk and forget. It's almost sarcastic there what she's saying. In the king's household, he would have the finest of the finest. He would have the finest food, the finest delicacies, the finest clothes. And this would include his strong drink. Beer there can also be translated strong drink. This would include his strong drink and his wine. It would be the best, the cream of the crop that existed within the kingdom. And you don't waste your finest stuff on the riffraff of community. What Lemuel's mom is saying here, almost sarcastically, is she is calling him to sacrificially give of his best to help alleviate the sufferings of those who do not have. She is calling him to be sacrificial. Give the finest of your pantry so that the poor can find relief from their suffering. Don't just give them the leftovers. Don't just give them the scraps. 
Give them the best of the best so that they can be lifted up with others. We today, myself, you are tempted to give leftovers to those who are in need. That obviously homeless woman needs some food, but you know what? I've still got to pick up my dry cleaning this week, so sorry for your luck. Or that handicapped man is walking home in the snow, but oh, I'm late for my haircut, so maybe next time. Our call to help the poor and downtrodden is to be a voice for them and to act sacrificially. And this call is rooted in the riches that you and I have in Christ. Second Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. He is calling them to give to famine relief in Jerusalem. And he says, I want you to consider something. Look at the Macedonian Christians. They have nothing. They live in squalor. And yet I'm carrying their offering to Jerusalem so that the Jerusalem Christians can have some relief from the famine. And he says they do it for this reason. They do it because their riches are in Christ. And he says to the Corinthian Christians, he says, you claim to be too poor to give, but you forget about the riches that you have. See, God stands with the law before him and sees that you and I are unrighteous according to that law. And, and you know what? He doesn't care how rich I am. He doesn't care how poor you are. He is going to apply that law the same to the wealthy, to the poor, to the important, to the downtrodden. And out of a sacrificial giving, the son said, I will take his punishment. I will take her punishment upon myself so that they can have the riches of being the children of God. They can have an inheritance awaiting them that makes the fortune of Elon Musk look like a quarter of a drop of water in a thousand-gallon cistern. What you think of as sacrificial giving is really is merely an evidence that you understand what has been done on your behalf. Your sacrificial giving flows out of an understanding of the sacrifice that was given so that you might have salvation, so that you might be called the sons and daughters of God. And this call for equal treatment before the law that King Lemuel's mom gives to him is not something new in the book of Proverbs. Whether it's Proverbs 15, whether it's Proverbs 20 and 21 and a myriad other places throughout the book of Proverbs, it focuses on the king's responsibility to treat all of his subjects as equal before law. It's a primary focus that he has as king. It's something that he is called to do by God and reminded of that call by his mom. What should your primary focus in life be right now? It may be the prayerful teaching of your children. It may be serving as a God-glorifying garbage collector. It may be managing a portfolio of investments so that ministries can move forward in sharing the gospel around the world. God has placed you, he has placed me in very specific places, and he expects us to have the focus of glorifying him and enjoying him forever wherever he has placed us. The call is to major on the majors. What is your important task? And are you pursuing that in such a way that shows your love for God and your love for neighbor? So, so mom reminds King Lemuel that she has prayed for his wisdom and for his growth. She, 
She gives him and reminds him of the call that God has placed on him to pursue as king. And she gives him a warning as well. And the warning comes in a twofold way to avoid promiscuity and to avoid the abuse of alcohol. Verse two or excuse me, verse three says, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. We we've seen the adulterous woman all the way back from chapter two and chapter five and chapter seven and chapter nine and eight. And and throughout the book of Proverbs, we've seen this call to avoid the promiscuous woman, the adulterous woman. And here we are reminded of that call and the danger that it presents to the strength and vigor of the king. Now, we could look at that and say that there's a physical aspect to um, illicit sex. We could catch a disease and, and, and wither away based upon that disease. But we need to dig a little bit deeper because the word strength in verse three, do not spend your strength, is the same word translated noble character in verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find. And the picture here is that as the king calls his people to pursue righteousness before God, according to the law, if he's living an unlawful life in the background, it's going to to destroy his character. It's going to eat away at his integrity. And in the life of the king, the the temptation, the power is to have whatever he wants. A king at this time had absolute power under God. And so he could look out in the city and he could say, I want her. And the mom says, be careful, you're going to ruin your reputation. You're going to ruin your character by pursuing the wrong things. She says, control yourself, control your impulses. The other temptation of the king is that the life of a king is hard. Everybody's coming to you. Everybody wants something. They expect you to fix all the problems. They're going to manipulate to do all that. And sometimes life just gets so So heavy that you want a distraction. You want something that will just maybe numb the pain for a little bit. And so you turn to that fine wine, that fine beer or strong drink. And yes, it will distract you for a brief time. But you sober up and those problems are still there. And in fact, they're probably worse because you've tried to run from them. You've ignored specifically for King Lemuel, treating the poor and the oppressed correctly. And you will just make your problems worse. And what mom is trying to tell King Lemuel here is that he needs to control his, himself. He needs to control his desires. He needs to work self-control in his life because what God has called him to pursue, he can be distracted and, and derailed from that by not controlling his passions, not controlling his wants, not controlling his desires. The key for the king to pursue the alleviation of suffering and the just application of the law in his kingdom is self-control. I ask you a question I began with. What keeps you from pursuing what God has called you to do? I would guess that more times than not, it's an issue of self-control. What gets in the way of your prayer and your Bible study? What gets in the way of training your children in the way they should go? What gets in the way of being a God-honoring employee? Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The joy for the Christian is that the Spirit has given you self-control. The Spirit has worked self-control in your heart, and you now have to work it out in your life. Your heart has been changed. The, the, the things that distract you from the God-glorifying activities in your life have been defeated. And the Spirit is working self-control in you right now. We just have to prayerfully engage that work so that we can work it out in our daily lives. So King Lemuel's mom comes to him and and reminds him of the foundation of prayer that his childhood was built on. She reminds him of the calling that God has for him. And she reminds him that it takes self-control to pursue that calling. What is standing in the way of you pursuing what God has called you to do? There's a story that's been floating around about G.K. Chesterton for years. It's likely not true, but it does speak to something and it sounds like something he would say. And the story goes along the lines that the Times, a, an English newspaper, ran an editorial asking for letters, asking for essays, answering the question, what is wrong with the world today? And supposedly Chesterton wrote in, quote, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. Many times our lack of holiness and progress and sanctification can be attributed to one thing our lack of self-control. You are too willing to give in to temptations that so easily turn us away from glorious things. You may not be tempted by alcohol. You may not be tempted by sex. Of course you may. But ask yourself, what do I turn to instead of the things of God? We are called to fervent prayer for your children and the children of this church. What takes you away from your prayer? Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's a desire for productivity. It, it may be the simple fact that your daily calendar is too full pursuing things that are good, but not ultimately God glorifying. Once you figure it out, what will you do to join the Spirit's work of building self-control in your life? You have a calling. Work out your self-control pursuing it. Let us pray. Triune God, who has worked salvation in our lives, who has taken from us our hearts of stone and given us hearts of flesh, we, we thank you that the Holy Spirit today is working self-control in the hearts and in the lives of your children. Show us those areas where we have put distractions and temptations before you, that we have pursued the things of this world rather than the things that glorify you. And remind us that the Spirit is working in us, drawing us towards holiness, drawing us to fulfilling that God-glorifying call that you have given to each and every one of us. And lead us to prayer. Prayer for ourselves. Prayer for our children. Prayer for the children of this church so that they may be rooted and grounded up in the self-control that you give also. I pray all this in Jesus' precious name. As you go this week, as you seek to work out self-control that is being worked in you, please take this blessing with you.
May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. We do pray that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.